0: Well, good morning, friends. How we doing? It is really fun to be uh, with you guys this morning, and particularly welcome to all of you that are tracking along uh, with us this morning from your homes today, joining us online. And so grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. You're going to want to follow along. It'll also be on your screens. But just to give you a little context of where we uh, kind of came from last week. So we're going to be spending the next eight weeks in the book of Timothy. And Paul writes the letter of Timothy to a, really a young man, a young man that has a call on his life to be the pastor at a very influential church in Ephesus. And Paul, as we talked mostly about last week, um, grew up without a dad. He is a, uh, what would have been known as a mumser, somebody that uh, with their dad, for one reason or another, is not in the picture, and that had implications for young Timothy, where he was kept outside of community, not allowed to participate, and so just... From an outside perspective, we would say that there are lots of things that are stacked against Timothy, but where things don't add up to the ideal, gospel always grows. And we see that with young Timothy. And young Timothy has two powerful women in his life, his mother and his grandmother. And, he, and along comes Paul, who acts as a spiritual father to Timothy. And Timothy um, is a frayed And he has this call on his life, but he is afraid of what lies uh, ahead. And Timothy uh, gets this word from Paul. There's this moment where uh, Paul writes to young Timothy, as we will see in a second, where Paul says, God did not give you the spirit of fear, young Timothy. And as we kind of wrestle with that this morning, honestly, vulnerably, for those of you that are watching and connect us with us online... If you were to be honest, how many of us would actually say, I wrestle with fear? Now, I noticed that like a lot of hands did not go up, and that's probably because you're afraid to raise your hand. Because I believe that so many of us actually are plagued with fear. I mean, holy smokes, just turn on the TV and watch the news How many of us got the text message last night around 7.30 that talks about the spike in the coronavirus? How many of us are thinking about the implications that what's going to happen to my business? We have people in our community right now who have not seen their parents because they're in a nursing home since March. Very difficult things. Those are real concerns, real things Um, that we are walking walking through that demand our attention. But here's the thing that I want to show us this morning is that oftentimes fear runs rampant in our life and oftentimes it never gets checked. It never gets bumped and we take on fear like an old familiar sweatshirt that feels comfortable when we put it on. It feels somehow normal to us and think about even the last thing you say to your kids if you have kids already is i tell my girls be safe be careful and think about like the implications of what we're passing down to our children be careful be safe and I, and i don't want my child my kids to be careless but there's a shift that i want us to wrestle with what would it look like as parents as adults that Instead of saying be careful, we say be brave, be faithful, be bold, be Jesus wherever your feet may take you. And I know that so many of us joining us online or in here right now, if you were to say, give me that silly little mic of you and I'll tell you about all the things that are stacked against me right now and you will see that I have every reason to be fearful right now because it's really overwhelming in my life. And what I want you to see as we dive into Paul's encouragement to his spiritual son, young Timothy, it has everything to do with fear. It has everything to do with fear running rampant in our life and never getting checked. Just to remind you, Paul is sitting in a prison pinning this letter to young Timothy. He has been beaten, he's been chained, he's been flogged, he's been shipwrecked, he's been bitten by snakes, he spent the night in the seas, and he pins this young He pins this letter to this young man named Timothy. And last week we ended on this verse in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. He says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which was given to you at the laying of the hands. And the laying on the hands that we talked about was this picture that, that happened in Acts where Paul picks up kind of Timothy. And Timothy has this call on his life and Paul... And the elders of the town, there's this moment where this this boy that never grew up without a father figure in his life meets Paul and the elders of this community. And there's this moment where the highest spiritual authority on planet Earth at this time, Paul, a father figure to young Timothy, just lays his hands on him and releases identity and hope and encourages young Timothy to keep going, to fan that flame of of fire that that God has planted inside of you. And you'll see what comes next in verse 7. Look at what it says. For God has not given you the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And let me be real clear, all week long, even before I got the text message last night, I have been praying this for you. I've been praying this for myself. I've been praying this for our community. That we, like young Timothy, would have a supernatural encounter with Jesus in a way that the chains of fear would literally fall off of us this morning. Because the truth is, do you know how many times that idea in the scripture of do not be afraid or some version of that appear in the scripture? Over 360 times. Do you know why? Because you and I need to hear it every single day of our lives, because we are people that have lots of fear. And so I need to start with just some foundational things right now is the opposite of faith is not doubt, because here's the truth I want you to see this morning. Jesus welcomes your doubt. Holy smokes, one of the 12 followers of Jesus Christ, his name is what? doubting Thomas. Jesus, the opposite of faith, is not doubt. And I got good news for you this morning. If you come with lots of doubts, with lots of unanswered questions, with lots of things don't look and add up the way that I thought they would, Jesus' invitation is still the same. Pick up your doubts and come and follow after me. And not this week or next week but there will come a day as the scripture says there will be a day where now we see in part but there will be a day that we see in full the full story that God has intended for us and what the opposite of faith is is actually fear because fear cripples the lives of Jesus followers it it paralyzes us in our journey and our ability to move forward. This is the type of fear that's not a phobia of something, but it carries with it this this idea of, in Greek it would have been kind of the word play that Paul is using here. It would have been a military term that had the reference of, of like you're in battle, but you turn into a coward. That you're unwilling to engage That you're unwilling to move forward in the battle. The fear has actually caused you to back up and to be immobile and to pause. And what hangs in the balance for young Timothy is nothing less than the call of God on his life for the thing that God has appointed him to be, the pastor at a church in Ephesus. And on every page written in this book, and every single page, you see this play out where the opposite of fear is not doubt, but it's, excuse me, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it's always fear on every page of the Bible. When you turn and you look at the story of the creation account where Adam and Eve, it's fundamentally about fear. That Adam and Eve are missing out on the good life that God is somehow withholding from them and so they think they know better apart from him. You fast forward just a few chapters and you get to the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath comes down and he's taunting the people of God and fear keeps people on the sidelines. In the book of Numbers, you have the story where they spies go out to, to evaluate the promised land and they come back with a feared field message that they look like giants and we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And then you fast forward to the newer testament and the familiar story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter jumps out and fear creeps creeps in and he starts to, starts to actually th- stink. And here's an honest, vulnerable question I think you have to wrestle with this morning. You have to, to be willing to digest it. What is fear keeping you from? What Where has feel, fear left unchecked in your life? And it's caused you to be immobile. To back up on the thing that God has actually called and ordained you to do. Because the truth is, every one of us, I believe, has those areas in our lives. And the invitation for Paul... Says this: I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self discipline. The spirit over power over the circumstances that you're facing. The spirit, the spirit of love, so that whenever it is that you're walking through, whatever circumstances you're walking through, you never have to ask, "Am I loved?" because it's already been proven by the giving of his son, where Paul says, I've given you the spirit of self-control, which means that your feelings aren't your boss, that your appetites are not your boss, that your addictions, that your thought life, that your struggles are not the boss of you anymore because there is already a Lord in your life and his name is Jesus. And what you're going to see Paul do from this point on is Paul makes this bold statement of, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-discipline. And now Paul is going to unpack that in a very particular way for young Timothy and young Timothy's stories. Verse eight, let's keep going. It says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rejoice with me, and the sufferings for the gospel by the power of God. Now, what Paul is going to do here is really strange. And in fact, probably doesn't feel real normal for us. Paul does not say, hey, hey, it's probably not as bad as you think it is. Cheer up a little bit. Things are going to get better. In fact, Paul takes it to a different place. He says, rather, join with me in my suffering. That the way of Jesus is always a way of suffering and pain and us being willing to engage it to push to God's best on the other side. And then Paul, all throughout the rest of the book of 2 Timothy, says things like in chapter 2, join with me in my suffering, verse 9. I'm suffering to the point of being chained, verse two twelve, If we will endure this suffering, 3, 1, there will be Terrible times in uh, 3.12. In fact, everyone who seeks to live a godly life will be suffer and face persecution. Verse 5, endure all hardships. And in light of all that, young Timothy, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-discipline. How can Paul say that? How can Paul say that despite everything that you're facing, do not have fear. Well, it goes back to that verse where it says, "He has not joined me with thee in the suffering for God by the power of God in our lives, not in my own strength and my own abilities, but by God's very power in our lives." Verse nine. Let's keep going. He has sa- He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that I have done but because of his own purpose and his grace in my life. The grace was given in Christ Jesus, this is the key, before the beginning of of time. And what Paul is saying to young young Timothy is, if you look at your circumstances, you're going to freak out (laughs) because your circumstances are worthy of you freaking out. But I'm inviting you to get your eyes off of what you see and get your eyes on the Savior. Get your eyes off of your circumstances and get your eyes on me, young Timothy. The language that Paul uses here is he says, before the beginning of time, meaning like to Timothy, listen, Timothy, God has a call and he has purpose in your life, but I want you to remember it's not all about you. We say around here in our community all the time, you need to know that God is 100% for you all of the time, but it's just not all about you young Timothy, it's not all about you. When your circumstances give you every reason to panic and to have fear, remember that there's more going on than you can see, young Timothy. When things seem out of control and fear creeps into your life, remember that fear is always rooted in control. Because Fear is about us not being able to control what is going on in our circumstances, and it should serve as this deep reminder of how little control of our lives we actually are. I can't even control the two little people in my house. Yes, I can make them behave and be obedient, but I can't control their little hearts. And when fear creeps into our lives, It's because it feels like things are out of control and what Paul reminds young Timothy to do is take back your trust from your circumstances because if you look at your circumstances, Riverside, you will freak out because they're worthy of freaking out uh, because they're real and they're massive and they're overwhelming. But get your eyes off of your circumstances and look at what Christ is doing. Paul does not say, just keep going. It's going to be okay. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as you actually think. Paul says, listen, your circumstances are worthy of you kind of freaking out. But get your eyes off of your circumstances. And remember, Christ has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Get your eyes off of what you are doing, what your, your circumstances are doing, and your eyes on me. Now, okay, pause. Pause. That sounds real nice. (laughs) Like, how do you actually do that? How do you actually get your eyes off of your circumstances and get your eyes on Jesus? Well, let me give you a picture of maybe what that might look like um, for us. Um, And tell me if this sounds just a little familiar to you. All right, so Jason is going to be feared this morning. And here's what that might look like just for me, just the past couple of months. Wait, wait, spring break is like canceled? <laughs> because, whoa, <laughs> spring break is canceled? <laughs> like, 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 what do you mean there's a coronavirus? Okay, so, all right, so, wait, now you're telling me my kids are not gonna go back to school after spring break? Are you kidding me? Um, wait, I've gotta stay home with my kids for the next three months and we're not, how am I ever going to get any work done around the house? Wait, Christy's got to stay home? How are we ever going to manage like anything? Wait, people are losing their jobs? Like when now you're telling me that we can't, which is bad language, we should never say is that the church is closed Church never closes. The, it's always about the people of God living on mission, and like, but we can't like gather in one place. What? You, how is that? There's people in my life that are walking through cancer right now. I can't even go see them in the hospital. Are you kidding me? Well, what about my friends' jobs that they're losing their jobs? And but for real, like, how are they gonna pay their bills? we're going to have to let go of some employees. I don't know how much longer we can keep this up. That's what it looks like to play ball with fear. And Paul says, listen, there is a freedom that Christ invites you to. There's a freedom, a reality, that you got to stop playing ball with fear. Because if all you ever focus on is your circumstance, then you, then you never get your eyes on what Jesus is doing. And Paul's invitation for you, for us, is to, not, not that that's not there, not that that's not real or significant in my life, or not that I don't have to to like plan about it, I don't have to think through it or it's not concerning, but you know what? It's not going to boss me around. My circumstances don't get to dictate my self-worth or what I feel about myself. My circumstances are not going to dictate the peace that Jesus wants to give to me. Listen, Paul says, stop playing ball with fear. You have to get your eyes on what Jesus is doing. If you think, and you focus on your circumstances, brothers and sisters, you will freak out because it's the right thing to do. And Paul's invitation for us, stop thinking about your circumstances and get your eyes on the Savior and what he's doing. And not overnight, but over time, the beautiful thing is that doesn't feel normal anymore. And what feels normal is getting our eyes off of what we are experiencing and getting our eyes on what Jesus is up to. Let's keep going. Verse 10 says this. Next slide. But it is now it has been revealed... Through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, catch this part, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality through the gospel. Timothy can look right, rightly at what is ahead of him and say, how can I ever trust what is going on? And Paul would say, you cannot look at your circumstances. you got to get your eyes off of uh, your circumstances and get your eyes on the cross. Because you see that Jesus has come to bring life through conquering sin and death once and for all. And if sin and death have been destroyed for all time, there's a sufficiency that Christ brings to our lives. He goes on in verse 11 and says this, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet it's no cause for shame catch this part, because I know whom I believed in and I am convinced that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to him until that day. And when Paul says, when fear creeps in, you got to get your eyes off of your circumstances and on your Savior." Paul is writing from prison, locked in a jail, knowing he's not getting out of this one. And he still says, I know whom I have believed in. He knows where his trust, his hope, his faith is ultimately rooted into. And this is what I think the enemy loves to do. I think all of us walk through life with these handles attached to us. And these handles look really different for all of us. It's the handle of insecurity. It's the handle of, like, I'm never going to be good enough. It's the handle of a secret addiction. It's the handle of pride. It's the handle of whatever it is for you. And the enemy just loves to grab a hold of them and pull them back to keep us from walking in the freedom that Christ offers these handles just pull on us to inject fear into our life so that it keeps us paralyzed and immobile and unwilling or incapable of moving forward with Christ. And what I love about Paul in this circumstance is that you see that Paul is like the freest individual that has maybe ever lived. In fact, In the book of Philippians, you see what Paul writes. He is in a jail cell in the book of Philippians. And he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is freedom in that statement of being able to say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is locked in prison and there's this moment where the jailer hears Paul singing, he's worshiping late into the the night, into the early morning, and there's this moment where the jailer says, yo, man, you gotta stop that. And Paul says, you do you. I'm gonna continue to worship. And the jailer says, okay, we're gonna whip you then. We're gonna beat you to the glory of God. I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy to suffer in the same way as my Lord did Okay, then we will kill you to live as Christ, to die as gain. Okay, we're not going to kill you. Okay, then Paul leads everyone else around him to Christ in a jail cell. Do you see how free he is? Why? Because his hope is not rooted in his circumstances, but that his hope is rooted in one place, and that is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that type of freedom? Because here's the truth. You don't have to imagine it. It's normal. It is normal for the life of a believer. It is normal for the life of a follower of Jesus. What is not w- normal is for us to let fear run unchecked and un- uh, unencumbered in our lives. That, friends, is not normal. The last part of what it says is this: It says, "And I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him until that day." Now, question for you: It says that He will guard what He has entrusted. What is it that you guard? When I put my trash out Thursday night, I don't guard my trash. I'm like, "Take it away! Come on, it stank." but you guard what is valuable to you. And let me be real clear. My circumstances love to attach them to to myself every day. This is not a one and done thing, but I have to live with a guarded heart because my trust will wander off and I'll begin to attach it to my circumstances. My hope will wander off and attach itself to my circumstances. I have to be willing to guard my heart and remember that if I'm trusted in my circumstances, I'm going to be plagued and riddled with fear. And I believe for you and for us this morning, there is a real invitation for you here and for you that are joining us online this morning to let the chains of fear for once and for all die off because it's not normal for so many of us fear feels like that familiar sweatshirt that we just put on and it feels like it's been part of our lives for so long and I want to tell you today is the day that you and I can experience the life that Jesus intended by letting the chains of fear drop off and so this morning, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to spend just a moment worshiping and let this song be our prayer back to God, a way that we say, God, listen, I have wandered off. Maybe their chains of fear have really crippled me, but it's enough. It's, it's overwhelming, and today is the day I'm going to choose differently.